0: From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is Earth Eats.
1: (laughs) Now, I love food. Don't (laughs) Let the people know. Let the people in the back know. I, hey, I love food. I plan vacations around the top food spots. So I love food,
0: but I just don't enjoy cooking. This week on the show, we hear the story about a local business, Popcorn Kernels with a Twist. We speak with the owner, Dr. Virginia Gathiri, about what motivates her to run her own food business, since she doesn't really like to cook. That story's just ahead. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Earth Eats. I'm Kate Young. I love to cook, and I especially love to bake. I get a kick out of making delicious things to eat. But I can't imagine translating that enjoyment into a business. It's a completely different skill set, which I do not possess. So I'm always curious when I talk to owners, what drove them to start a food business? I've done a whole series called Taking the Leap, exploring exactly that question. In the case of Dr. Virginia Gathieri, it's even more puzzling. She's a professor at Indiana University in the School of Public Health. And she's the owner of Popcorn Kernels with a Twist. You might have seen it. It's that adorable shop on the corner of 4th and College in downtown Bloomington, in that storefront where the hobby shop used to be. I'd been meaning to check out the place ever since I first saw the open sign. I was biking home one afternoon, saw the sandwich board out front, and since I wasn't in a hurry, I decided to stop. I was greeted by the owner and a couple of key staff members who were packaging popcorn behind the counter. The aroma of freshly popped corn filled the air. They keep a popper on hand at the shop for fresh servings of popcorn, but I learned that the majority of their product is made off-site at One World Kitchen Share. They produce a huge variety of flavors from Simply Salted to Buffalo Cheddar to Caramel Pecan Praline Salted White Chocolate Popcorn. We made a plan to meet up at a later date so I could learn more about their popcorn and the story behind the business called Popcorn Kernels with a Twist. Oh, and popcorn is spelled with a K. When I arrived at the kitchen, Fred Bennett was already measuring out the ingredients for a batch of caramel. Well, today
2: I'm preparing caramel corn. Classic caramel corn.
0: Okay. So, in the kettle, you're getting butter. Uh huh, butter. This is real butter.
2: Mm hmm. Correct, correct. And brown sugar. Brown sugar. And some carrot syrup. syrup. All right. We're going to heat it up and then we're going to go from there.
0: And then the popcorn's already popped, or yes, is she gonna pop some, some more? I
2: have some, oh, and I'm gonna pop some more as well. Okay. Yes, yes.
0: So how yes. does it go? You've got the popcorn popped, uh-huh. and then you make this caramel syrup, Correct.
2: and that's just on
0: stove in a pot. Correct,
2: and then we add to the popcorn, and then stir it up, bake it.
0: So it gets coated with the syrup, but then to kind of get that crunch on the outside, you've gotta do the baking, right? Mm-hmm. So I know you guys have a lot of different flavors, uh-huh. a lot of different uh-huh. recipes. Uh-huh. Some of them are sweet. Some of them are savory. Yes, some yes. of them have these kind of coatings, but then some of them are just spices. Yes, yes. So how do you go about developing a new recipe?
2: Well, I'm going to, in the uh, immortal words of Dr. Virginia Guthrie, the owner, she says popcorn is a blank canvas. So, I mean, she comes up with these flavors uh-huh. and she has a very distinct palate and let's just say if she says i got a great flavor of popcorn it tastes like grapes uh-huh. <laughs> okay uh-huh. and if it doesn't taste like grapes it will not get on the shelf uh-huh. you know what i'm saying we we want to make sure that it is what we say it is and what she says says it is you know what i'm uh-huh. saying yeah are She's you just sad.
0: here for the full day just cranking out the popcorn that's it <laughs>
2: that's what we do that's how we do <laughs> Just crank it out. Just crank it out.
1: I remember one night I was here, cause I hadn't added a big staff yet. Cause I was just kind of retesting the concept. And I remember Jeff was down here and he was like, what the Blake were you doing? And I was like, I, these caramels don't look perfect. He said, it's delicious. Don't it's like artisanal, it's handmade. It's not going to look commercially prepared. Every kernel is not going to be perfectly covered because of the reality is, is even though I knew it tasted great. I think sometimes visually, people are very aware, we all are, right? If it doesn't look like it looks maybe coming from a factory, we ignorantly are like, ah, it's probably not good. So I had to get out of my head in thinking that it had to look like each kernel was covered. And actually, because of the richness of our caramel, because this is truly gourmet, I mean, we use real butter. So due to the richness of it, you really don't want every single kernel covered to capacity because we'd all be like oh my god I mean some people can eat rich rich stuff (laughs) like that but it can be really really rich
0: yeah it's like your your mouth wants a break from from the completely covered kernel
1: yeah yeah and you want to make sure that the experience is completely enjoyable so there's a flavor that I developed called Dr. G's special I'm Dr. G of course and I like the caramel but I like it with plain because I love plain popcorn I consider myself a popcorn purist, if that's a thing. So I just like plain popcorn, the kernels that we use, the gourmet circle kernels by itself. So I add a little caramel, a couple handfuls of caramel, and then I enjoy it that way as well. But I typically wouldn't be one to eat a whole bag of caramel, even though that's our second top seller. Our first top seller is Midwest Delight, the caramel and cheese. That's our number one seller. Caramel is next. But even though I love the caramel, I love our caramel, it's, it's rich for me. Yeah. So I like it with plain.
0: Yeah. And so that's what I do. <laughs> and then there's also the science to just making caramel. I mean, I know that just candy making has such a delicate range of uh, temperatures.
2: We mm-hmm. do want to have it at a certain temperature yeah. or else it's gonna be <laughs> a little too, a little too done or not done enough. Right.
0: <laughs> and I bet you've experienced both of those.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean oh, yeah. I ain't gonna lie about it, yeah. I've
1: had to, Fred yeah. is a lot more, um, I would say, accurate than I am. He's a lot more patient than I am, which is why I'm grateful that he has been making the caramel now for years. <laughs> I I barely remember the recipe sometime, and it's fine. But. He's a lot more attentive to detail, I would say, than I am for sure. Sometimes my attention is drawn other places. And there have been times when I've had to literally throw in the garbage five gallons of caramel corn because I've messed it up. And when you consider the cost of the ingredients, woo, not a good thing. But you know, you do what you have to do. Again, like Fred mentioned, it is true that I'm very intentional about what we're serving, what we're putting out there, what's on our menu and what it tastes like. And I. I always ask for customer feedback and I'm yeah. grateful that people are kind, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they will say, yeah, exactly. oh, that really wasn't my favorite, yeah. you know. And there are some people who are really close to me who are saying, hey, yep, that was a, that was terrible. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and well, I appreciate you need that. to develop. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And I appreciate that because I'm that same way. Right. Yeah. You appreciate that. Exactly. That honesty from people who are in your circle.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Helps us to be better.
2: And trust me, there there are people in our circle that will let us know. Oh, God. If it ain't on point.
1: Yes. <laughs> <Okay>.
2: Our partners.
1: <laughs> Date online.
2: Case
0: in point, Dr. G had started a batch of popcorn oh, in the popper, and because she's out of practice, Fred does most of the day-to-day popcorn preparation, she didn't get it quite right.
2: <laughs> oh, God. Uh... a little easier for me to, I can eyeball it. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing it so long, I can just look and tell the amount that I that I need. Right. I can just look at it and tell. That's the thing. <laughs> That's great. Of she said I'm a little uh, attention to detail. I, uh, just a little bit. Just <laughs> a little bit. I mean, you,
1: you need that when you're doing this. I mean, especially the caramel and stuff. It's, there's, there's, I think, even though I can cook, I let the world know I do not enjoy cooking (laughs) at all.
2: I do not. But she does a great
1: job. But I do not enjoy it. So at home, (laughs) I mean, I have aunts and uh, uncles who are now passed on, but they're older. And sometimes they would call me and they'd say, hey, you cooking? You cooking anything? I said, absolutely not. (laughs) I, I, I just, so for people that knew me close, intimate friends, they were shocked beyond belief when I started a food company because they're like, you don't even cook. <laughs> and I'm like, I still don't. <laughs> but I, I brought that up to say that sometimes you may have a desire to do something and um, it doesn't mean that you have to really have all the skill set. I know that sounds crazy, yeah. but there are people who, are, who can be extremely integral in your process. Fred is one of those. I've had other people before him.
0: Fred's batch of popcorn was popping full force, the caramel was on the stove, and Dr. G and I stepped into the conference room at One World to have a more focused conversation. That's coming up after a short break. Stay with us. Kate Young here, this is Earth Eats. I'm Virginia Gathiri, and I own Popcorn Kernels with Twist in Bloomington, Indiana. I sat down with Virginia in the conference room at One World Kitchen Share, where she rents commercial kitchen space for her popcorn business. I started by asking her to tell her story.
1: I'm a native of the state of Indiana. I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana. My father immigrated to the United States from Kenya when he was 16. Uh, He got a citizenship in his 20s, met my mom, and they got married when he was 30. And they met in college. Uh, He was in finance. My mother was in education. So uh, they started. And is your
0: mom also from Indiana?
1: Uh, She was from Alabama. Both of my parents are deceased. They were amazing, Uh, but they're both deceased. Um, My mom passed away when she was 46. So... Uh, She had lupus in a very severe form. She'd been diagnosed within her 30s, so my father never remarried. Uh, They'd been married uh, 25 years before she passed. But really close-knit family I come from, I'm grateful. I have what I would consider some really, really close friends who I consider family, and we've been close for a long time. A few of them I met in college. Uh, I have two best friends. And the people in my inner circle I'm very close to, I had a very... I guess I can say, fun and loved loving childhood. I excelled academically, particularly in the sciences and the math. Um, I thought I wanted to do the med school thing. So I came to IU for my undergrad um, and uh, majored in biology, got bored after about 65 hours of math and science. I think it was my last organic chemistry lab. And I said, oh, God, why am I doing? This is so boring. I don't even. So I ended up getting my degree in another school, school uh, SPIA, Public and Environmental Affairs. Applied for grad school, did an MPH, uh, worked for a few years, did an MBA, started. What's an MPH? Oh, Master's of Public Health. Oh. And the concentration is education, and then um, worked some more. Started another business. I had a print shop downtown Bloomington. That's a whole other story for a whole other episode. In my 20s, but um, yeah, I'm a full-time faculty member in the School of Public Health at IU. So my PhD is also from Indiana University, and I teach courses that focus on populations and their health statuses and how each, each pop, I try to convey to my students that every population or group, even if it is subjectively or self-defined, comes to the table with a different set of circumstances that impact their health, right? So, and you can define yourself in a group, people who live in Bloomington, Um, middle-aged white women, um, educated black women, you know, uh, I mean, there's a a variety of ways that you can define yourself, but within those definitions, whether they are, I'll say, biology-driven or subjectively driven, self-selected, there's still different sets of circumstances, and I try to convey to the students that you need to look at each population, each individual, as an individual, right? It's not a
0: one-size-fits-all, not when it comes to health and wellness. So here's here's the question that comes to mind for me. Mm -hmm. You're successful, you've got a PhD, you have a faculty position at a major university. (laughs) Why do you want to start a popcorn business?
1: (laughs) Because, there's a couple reasons, it's innate in me to be an entrepreneur. My dad was in finance and was employed at a major corporation um, in in finance um, and had people under him, he was an accountant, Um, but he always had other businesses. And so I was that kid that picked that up, and I saw that. And so unconsciously, it was in me like, oh, I can work a full-time job, you know, have a family, do other social things I want to do, and still have a business and thrive. And I saw that, and it just, I don't know, my mind, I, I was like, I can do it. I think because I saw my parents do other things, and they enjoyed it, there was something in me like you can do whatever you want, and they always told us that you can do anything you want, there's no
0: limits for you. So, is it because um, it's interesting and challenging and fun for you to, to, to figure out a business? And, and because you said you don't love cooking, so no, the I fact that cooking. you're doing a food business no, doesn't mean you love food.
1: <laughs> now, I love food, don't <laughs> let the people know, let the people in the back know. I hate. I love food. I plan vacations around the top food spots. So I love food. But I just don't enjoy cooking. I think it's stressful. I mean, I, I get so stressed out, like, going to the grocery store, <laughs> having to get ingredients. But, again, like I said, it doesn't mean that I can't have a successful business in an area maybe where I don't thrive. The secret is to find people who you partner with who can catch your vision and actually they're willing and you pay them right and you you support them but they are able to cause the business to thrive and I've been fortunate and blessed to be able to find that the energy has been in the space of my company where I've been able to find people who are like this is so cool and they absolutely thrive at it yes I come up with Um, recipes and ideas and I can do it it's just not my wheelhouse it's not it is not my preference and so having people that actually can run with that vision is that's important because a lot of business owners they struggle with that they struggle to release their hands
0: right and I'm like if you find someone that you trust and you and they and they there's an understanding there, right? Well, I also think it's an important point because I think a lot of people start a business because, say, uh, they're passionate about baking mm-hmm. pies. Like, I love to bake pies. And That's everybody's awesome. always saying, oh, you gotta, you got to start something. you got to sell mm-hmm. those. And I'm like, you know what? I like baking pies, and I'd like to continue liking <laughs> baking pies. So <laughs> I don't know anything about running a business. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. You know? <laughs> Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, if maybe if somebody partnered with me who really knew how to run a business and said, you bake the pies mm-hmm. and I'll run the business, <laughs> maybe. But right. Yeah. Right. yeah, like I, I think sometimes what happens is people get into it because they love doing a thing, mm-hmm. making a thing, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to run a business. And so it sounds like you're kind of the opposite. You've mm-hmm. got the business skills mm-hmm. and you just need. The people who can... And you've got the ideas. Right.
1: Absolutely. But you
0: just need the people who can do those details yes. of making the thing. Who can execute the product. And that's the thing. I think it's really...
1: I mean, I love coming up. I love being creative. I love coming up with the weird flavors. And they come to me in my sleep. I mean, literally, i wake up and have an epiphany, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I'll tell the team, and they're like, that's, that's awesome. And I'll do it. I'll fabricate the trial. And then we'll just duplicate the process. But yes, I mean, do, you, do I know how to do everything? Yes, I do. Of course I do. It just takes me a little more time. Mm-hmm. And it's not very enjoyable. <laughs> so yes, I think people do take a passion and they're like, oh, I, I should start a business. Because me, part of me as well as when I see a gap, I'm like, oh, that's not, that doesn't exist here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this could be really... Profitable.
0: So is that how you came up with popcorn? For yes.
1: Your- so I came up with popcorn because I love it. And there's a major company in Chicago, and I've been one of those ones standing in line for two hours to get the popcorn. And I thought, I want this in Bloomington. Now, yeah, that takes time. I mean, eventually we'll have that, right? I can see us having people around the corner, wherever our storefront's located. And, but that takes time. That's not overnight. That just doesn't happen overnight. But I wanted that. I wanted to do, make a similar model. And Uh so that's why I... So part of it was I knew that the market was open here. Uh And part of it was, yes, I love popcorn. (laughs) But again, I can't see myself for 45 years myself making caramel. Yes, I see the business established that long. But me physically doing it? No. I mean, some people, that's their desire. Mm -hmm. And I respect that. I mean, if you're a pie maker and you want to make pies for 50 years... Bless it, do it. Listen, I don't want to be stirring up caramel for 30 years, but I want the business to continue, and that may sound arrogant to some. It's not. You need to know to be able to attract people to your team that can do it, that see the vision, that are excited. And then in times when I need to, though, I mean, if the staff went down to zero, could I maintain and keep some product coming out? Yes, I could because I know how to do it. It's just... again, a matter of knowing your strengths
0: and you need to play to those. Yeah. Can you tell me sort of the story of getting the popcorn business off the ground? Because it sounded like there were a couple of... Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: There's been ebbs and flows. So the the quick and short of it is that I originally, in 2007, had the vision, went to a Super Bowl party. People were like, this is amazing. And I thought, hmm. What do you mean you went to a Super Bowl? So I went to a Super Bowl party with a bunch of people. There may have been 75, 80 people there. And we were all supposed to bring some snacks and food. I brought popcorn because I love popcorn and at this time I hadn't even thought about starting a company. This is 2007. And was it just
0: plain popcorn or no. did you do something to it?
1: Yeah. I brought chocolate. I also brought blueberry. I brought caramel, let's see, chocolate, caramel, blueberry, and uh, I don't remember what other flavor. I think maybe cheese and the, the bowls were empty as if someone had licked the bowl clean. I thought, what is going on here? My God. And people were saying, who brought this popcorn, who brought you know, and a few people knew that I'd brought it. And people were asking if I had extra that they wanted to buy it. And so as an entrepreneur, I was like, oh, hold on, wait a minute, okay, There's, this is something. So I looked into what it took to have a food business in Monroe County and recognized that you had to be in a state-approved commercial kitchen. At the time, this one word was not here. Right. So I went to Madison, Indiana. Oh, wow. I drove all the way to Madison, Indiana once sometimes twice a week and paid by the hour and produced started a little website was doing face-to-face selling and uh, then found a storefront um, downtown and it really wasn't sufficient for me to continue making the caramel there because the oven wasn't right and as the leasee i would have had to pay to upgrade the kitchen right and I was like, uh-uh. And it was a five-year lease. So, but one thing, let me do a sidebar. Communication is key. I'm a communicator. I, I learned that from my parents, especially my dad. You have got to communicate because sometimes things go awry. Sometimes you may have to late pay a bill. Sometimes you don't have the supplies you need. Sometimes it's not helpful to hide. So I'm one of those ones, you're just going to get it. Listen, I, because I need to sleep at night. And so... Um, I just told the landlord, I said, Listen, the five year lease I'm not gonna be able to do. I don't know what the what your position is. I would appreciate it if you would just let me out of out of it without consequence, but here are the issues. And he said, No problem. Oh. Yeah. All right. So So
0: at that point you just said I need to yep, step back. Yeah,
1: yep. I don't have all the resources I need. I'm draining myself. And so this was in two thousand and the top of two thousand nine, I believe, when I'd stepped away from it. But the idea kept coming to me. 2016, it was so heavy. And so I said, you know, let me try it again. Did the same thing, talked to the health department. They remembered me, (laughs) uh, you know, and I said, I want to restart this. They were like, oh, that'd be great. We remember when you had the first time, so good, good luck. So they gave me Jeff's information and the ball's been rolling ever since. So 2016, uh, October, I restarted by myself, no staff, started to tinker to start a website again, um, just to retest the concept, see if there were interest. Had major surgery in November, started back up in February 2017, and went in a storefront on Kirkwood, went into the mall later that year. We were in the mall two years and then ended up coming out of the mall, went downtown, but we've been growing and going ever since. We're the Popcorn producer for IU. Now we're also in the Memorial Suites at the stadium. We're very grateful. I'm in the private suites,
0: and so yeah, websites uh, doing better. We have a subscription plan. So you are. You said you're the major popcorn supplier for IU. Mm -hmm. So that seems like a pretty stable and large contract. It is.
1: Yeah, it's. You know, it depends on what's going on with the university. So of course, with COVID. Well, we weren't producing popcorn for any anymore. (laughs) No, let me correct, we actually, (laughs) there were times when they were purchasing for staff or for random different things, but it wasn't the size that we were used to with them. When we first came on board, we were doing it for the auditorium, the ballet mm -hmm, or the musical arts center and pretty much any event that catering needed popcorn for, we produced for. One week they might only need 20, the next week they might need a thousand. So catering and then any other space at IU that knows that we do popcorn. And if they want popcorn, they reach out to us. Because we're, we're listed. We're an IU licensed vendor as well. Okay. So we can sell in. We have a couple names that are licensed in the licensing office that we pay royalty for. Crimson Drizzle is one and Crimson Caramel is the other. And then I have a sticker that has the IU Trident on it that I designed. But, yeah, we have a really good relationship with IU, And it's been, I'm so grateful. It's been fantastic.
0: I also noticed that you do fundraising popcorn. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so we also are
1: we do fundraisers and there are organizations that ask us that you know if we can support their fundraising efforts and we do. So we create a singular web page for that organization and they either give the QR code or the URL to their patrons and then they order just as if they would order from our regular website but it's one particular size. A few flavors, and then the extent of time that the fundraiser is open, they can order. When that's over, then we have our period of time when we create the orders. We give them to the fundraising chair or whomever, and then they distribute them. So just like any Girl Scout cookie or anything right. like that, we have a very similar operation. So that's a separate thing from our main popcorn thing. It's a fundraisingpopcorntwist.com, so it's a separate entity.
0: Right, so like if there's a soccer team or something, can they have like a little order form and go around and ask their grandparents and yes, friends? Yeah, absolutely,
1: and stuff? absolutely. So we sort do of the old-fashioned way. Yeah, yeah. So we can do the brochure,
0: right, or if maybe like the kid goes around and fills out the order form, but then the parent uploads the order yes, to the website.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> yep, yep. That that way as well. So yeah, but we try to make it accessible because yeah, everybody's not comfortable or they're not tech savvy necessarily (laughs) but yeah I think it's a good way to give back to the community it was so wonderful we had a school this past summer who saw my spot on wish tv I did a spot on wish tv and as soon as she watched it she called and said hey can we do fundraising with you guys and it's it was it's been a wonderful collaboration
0: The storefront that you are currently in, Mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I always wanted that spot.
0: It's a dreamy little spot. Oh my God, like from forever. Every time I
1: would drive by, I'd say, oh my God, that's where popcorn should be. And so when I knew we were moving out of the mall, I called a realtor friend of mine. I was like, hey, I'm looking for a place, you know, um, this is what I really need or want. And he said to me... That place on the corner of 4th and College, you need that. I've always seen you guys there. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've always seen us there, too. Oh, my God. So he gave me the name of the person who owns it, and we communicated, and yeah, we're there now. So do you do some
0: popping of popcorn there?
1: Yes, we can do small production there. and We also package there, which is fantastic. So that saves us time being in the kitchen here in the major, in this, the big kitchen, which has been amazing to us. This is just a dream, you know, to be Well, able it sounds to be here like
0: one world. Yeah, it sounds like having a commissary kitchen in town kind of made it possible. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm just grateful that the time when I had the energy again to restart, when that thought was was in me that this was here yeah. because just at my age and what else I was doing, driving to Madison, Indiana would have been a no-go. Right. Because it wouldn't have made sense to do that back and forth, so I'm grateful for One World. But yeah, we can actually do packaging and pop some on site at the storefront. The health department approved us to do that. So that's great because we know that it's fresh, but it's so interesting. People will come in and say, "Um, do you guys have any fresh popcorn? And I'm like, this was just made like two days ago. Right. Shelf life for popcorn is six months plus. So well,
0: Yeah, and so you just need to make sure you've got it packaged in something airtight, yes. and then it stays fresh.
1: Absolutely. I was very intentional about selecting bags that are odor-proof, tear-proof, tamper-resistant, because our popcorn is also in other spaces. Like, we're in the visitor center. We've been in three different storefronts in the past. So, You need something that has a little bit of shelf life, but that's not going to last forever because that's, you know, full of preservatives and we don't have that. So, but we do have a bit of a shelf life. So that's really important to me. But I
0: do think that there's something just kind of charming and romantic, especially if you're walking by the store, you want Mm -hmm. fresh pop popcorn, you know, it's just, there's, it's a, there's some nostalgia,
1: I think that goes with it. And I, I love, oh gosh, popcorn out of the popcorn machine that day. It's so good, oh! Sometimes I'll sneak in there and say, "I just want a bag of popcorn, guys." <laughs> I'll go in the back door and just, you know. And so, yeah, it's good to be able to do some
0: stuff down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would just think it draws people into the shop maybe a little bit more. It so, does. are you getting some walk-in traffic there? Oh, absolutely, yes. Which
1: is great. I mean, I think th- those windows are amazing at that in that space, and it just it catches people's eye. You know, in times when I am in there, a lot of times on Saturday I'll go and just kind of sit and I'll watch people walk by and they'll look in the window and they'll look inside and then they'll maybe just come inside and they're like, oh my God, the smell brought me in. Uh, People were saying that on Saturday because we also have a light caramel pop that we're able to do in the kettle and the smell of it is so intoxicatingly delicious. You cannot not walk in. I mean, you're just like... It just it's almost unconscious that it draws you in. And the butter popcorn, I mean it yeah. you can just smell it. So yeah, we have we have some walk-in traffic, which is great.
0: I'm speaking with Virginia Gathiri of Popcorn Kernels with a twist. After a short break, we'll hear about how she manages the work-life balance with a full-time position at IU and a thriving small business. Stay with us. Young here. This is Earth Eats. My guest is Virginia Gathiri. She's the owner of a small local business, Popcorn Kernels with a Twist. And she's also a professor in the School of Public Health at Indiana University. I wanted to find out how she does it all. So, how are you able to manage uh like what t- tell me kind of a a day in the life?
1: <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> you really want that. No ah.
0: like, like think of one of your ah. days when you're kind of doing everything. What yes. what does it look like? So <sighs> So I get up, I am very
1: anal about my prayer and meditation time. I there are rare days that I miss that. I do have a prayer and meditation room in my home. of the time I'm having an hour for myself to do that because I'm so hyperactive and my brain is always going that if I don't have forced time to be quiet Lord have mercy it would just be terrible because I I would just not have any centering time and the personality that I have I have to force it so that's my morning and then I just go. I usually will look at my agenda the night before so that I can kind of have in my mind what the expectations are. Sometimes uh, I'll go, 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 go during the day, and then I'll spend time later in the evening, um, and that's go meaning either working IU stuff, I might pop into the shop and say hello to them. And then in the evening, I work on business-related stuff because usually I can do that I know it sounds crazy, but kind of mindlessly, depending on what it is. But, yeah, so um, it just
0: takes a different kind of brain space yeah, than, yeah. than your academic work.
1: Yes, yep. So I can do some business-related stuff. Usually I'll do that late at night, maybe, you know, between 9.30 and 11.30. And I'll be watching something funny and working on whatever, you know, (laughs) uh, responding to emails. And then I make, I'm very involved. I sing. So I do sing at Sherwood Oaks. (laughs) And so I sing like once a month, typically on the stage and the worship team I lead. And so there's a rehearsal for that once a week or the week that I'm singing. And then there's three services. So I'm there Sunday morning at 7 a.m. And I'm usually leaving by like one o'clock. But I take time on Saturdays for me. So I may pop into the shop, but even my team knows. They're like, yeah, V's not available on Saturdays. I just take, I have to take time for me and my circle because it's important. And then on Sundays, I usually do the same thing. I'll do a little work sometime on Sunday, but I've been, as I get older, I've been more intentional about that. When I was younger, oh God, I would go seven days a week. I mean, I, I literally would only take a break if I was away from here and on vacation. But I would go... I, I mean, I'm one of those ones that can get four hours of sleep a night. Yeah. And that's just what I've done all my life. And so I have to force myself to stop yeah. and take a break.
0: Right.
1: How many days is the shop open? Five. Oh. So, yeah. So the shop is open Tuesday through Saturday. Okay. For holiday, we may add a day possibly add a few hours on a Sunday when we get close to holiday but you know I really prefer to give my team off Sunday. Yeah. Whether they want to worship go to a church with their friend or just chill out and just sit on their porch and have a nice drink and whatever I mean it doesn't matter we all have to have a break.
0: And um, how many employees do you have?
1: Uh, Right now two full-time and then a few part-times I can call on if I need it so yeah
0: are there sometimes there's events or there's like something going on downtown where you are kind of really on?
1: Yes. So when Lotus was happening, we were busier. Mm -hmm. Typically when football games happen, we're busier, even though we're like, we're not far from campus in terms of walking distance, but obviously we're not right in the center of campus, but people still are walking around and down there. So our business definitely picks up during those times. And then there are uh, festivals and events that we've been invited to We've been able to take some of those less, though, because we're so busy in our own stuff that right. we just it's hard to commit. And I mean, if I had a staff of 20, right. it would be easy, right? Because we could produce what we needed to get greater volume. But again, as a small business owner, you have to be wise. I mean, you don't want to hire there's ebbs and flows in business, and where it's my dream and wish that we would continue to accelerate in our sales, you know, go up 10, 15, 20 percent every year. Sometimes you ha- you got to think okay, what is this really going to look like? Like, what's the implications? And I mean, since wage expense is your greatest expense, what you don't want to do is get in a place where you've hired a bunch of people that then you're like, oh God, how can I pay them? And I'm a sole owner business. I haven't gotten a major business loan to do this business. It's It's been my own capital. So yeah, there's, you know, you have to be wise about your decisions. Are you, how's it going? Are you, are you? Making some profit? Yeah. So now I'm definitely at a point, thankfully, where the business income is paying for the business expenses. And like I said, I didn't go to some bank and get a million dollar loan, $100,000 loan, $50,000, even a $25,000 loan. That has not happened for me. From 2016, I've spent my own money. Grateful that I had it to do, but it was a substantial sacrifice. And oftentimes people will ask, would you do it all again? Or people will say, oh, I'd do it all over again, the pain and everything. I would do it again, not with, not with the pain.
0: <laughs>
1: X out those challenges, yeah. but I would do it again, right but yes, we are at a point now thankfully and have been now for a couple of years where the actual business revenues are taking care of the business expenses. For that I am grateful
2: okay, so summer of 2020
0: uh-huh killing of George Floyd, mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, the months of demonstrations and awareness campaigns mm-hmm. that followed. It's being referred to some as a racial reckoning, mm-hmm. and I feel like this movement, it has a lot of dimensions to it, mm-hmm. but one of them is really people, you know, I mean, lots of dimensions, calls to defund the police, but also calls to support black-owned businesses mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to have an awareness of that. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you've noticed that, especially locally of people like seeking out, okay, I want to support black owned businesses. Who are the black owned businesses? Yes. Who are the black business owners in this community? Yeah. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. So shout out to the Bloomington foodies
1: page. I had no idea. And one of my girlfriends, she texted me and she was like, Hey, do you care if I mention your name, your name of your business on the Bloomington foodies page? I said, girl, I don't know what that is. But sure, of course. course. (laughs) What? Absolutely, Absolutely, and thank you for thinking of me. Well, unbeknownst to me, until I logged on, they had made a call. Who are the black businesses? And, of course, it was around that fever pitch. There's been many fever pitch times in our country, we know, uh, with respect to race and racism and discrimination and all these things for all marginalized groups. But um, I had no idea what the Bloomington Foodies page was, and I had no idea what they were doing, but it literally warmed my heart to a point of. And because when I looked on there, like I said, you never know who's watching you. People were saying, I love popcorn. Oh my God, that's my favorite place. Ah, I just was there yesterday. Their flavors are so amazing. The owner's so sweet. So I did had no
0: So did, did the Bloomington foodies make like a list of black owned businesses? They did, yeah. And then they would buy stuff and take pictures
1: and shout it out, and they were doing that before. I just had no idea. And so you don't know who's paying attention. And yes, of course. So we were grateful because we were still in the pandemic. So we have something on our website that is order online and pick up at store. And we were doing a very compromised number of days open, a very small amount of hours, but curbside pickup. So somebody would call in and Fred would run their popcorn out to them. And yes, we definitely accelerated in sales during that space of time. And people have still been our customers. And it's just, the local
0: love here is crazy. Like, it's pretty amazing. Well, I think it also, just what you said about it was the pandemic. I think there was an awareness that a lot of businesses are struggling. Yes. And that just because of the systemic racism and mm-hmm. you know years of discrimination mm-hmm. over, you know, black owned businesses, might be some of the ones who are gonna maybe not make it and it wasn't just a racial reckoning and it was also a small business understanding
1: absolutely and i think that that's sometimes lost but like you said it's not only black owned i mean there's listen if i'm being just honest there's always going to be a racial struggle there's always going to be a because there's such strong opinions about these things so that's always going to persist it just is it's never going to go away sorry, Hallmark movie is not real. It's just not, right? But we can, I think we can each do our part individually to make sure that we're doing what we can, right? To be the best version of ourselves, to be a good human. But generally speaking, we're gonna have these struggles. That's just the nature of life, right? But I think that supporting people that you know are working hard, irrespective of their race, their gender, sexual orientation, religion, whatever, that's human that's what we should do and so definitely i have to say the local love has been incredible and i mean the sharing of you should go to this spot i love it it's my favorite i was literally brought to tears just looking at the comments because you never know who's watching you and that makes us work harder right that makes my team like want to make sure that the bag is not full of seeds and kernels but it actually has popcorn in there making sure that it's flavorful, it's fresh. If they anything you don't like, let us know. We'll replace it. You don't have to pay. Just I mean, I'm saying because that makes you go harder when you when you know it's like a little kid who rides their bike for the first time and their parents are like, Good job, Virginia, you know? And it makes you so excited that you did a good job, that you wanna do more more so that you can get that good job again. And so that's the feeling we have and I think a lot of the local businesses in
0: town hopefully also you know feel that and have felt that what is your favorite part about doing this having this business Um, providing economic opportunity for other people
1: I believe that we all have a whole bunch of gifts and talents all of us do the difference in someone that does and someone that doesn't is that the person that doesn't do maybe doesn't know they don't recognize what they have that can be shared. I recognize what I have. I recognize that the talents and gifts that I have are not just for me. They're for me in the sense that there's enjoyment that comes with And Yeah, I'm not an idiot. One day I want to be a multi-billion dollar popcorn air. Tell the people in the back, if I keep working, it'll happen, right? Maybe one day. But And so that is one of the focuses. Of course, this is not a nonprofit organization. So I would be a liar if I sat here and said, I don't want to make any money. Nope, that's a lie. I do want to make money. I wouldn't go so hard if I didn't. But I also am providing mentorship. I'm providing economic opportunity. I'm providing connections in the community. And that brings me joy because there has to be more than just some intrinsic reward. There's gotta be, or some internal, my bank account is building. There's gotta be more than that. For some people there's not, and I respect that too, I'm just not that person that can just keep it all to myself. I remember even um, when I was looking at cars, my parents bought me my first car. And when I was thinking about a second car, he always, my daddy would always say, make sure you get a car with four doors so if somebody needs a ride, you can give them a ride. And the thing is, I remembered that. He told me that as a teenager. Just that level of selflessness is something that we need a little more of. And so everything we do, even though there may be great financial gain for me one day, this is the, the part that I love is showing my employees that it's possible. It's possible to be somebody black and not have... I mean, my parents were, well, we were considered middle, high-income black people. So we were, you know, we did all right. But they weren't, I didn't have $2 million in the bank when I started this, you know. Um, I started pretty much from nothing, with my savings, with some of my retirement. Like, I just scrapped because I wanted to do it. So my staff sees that, and they're like, it's possible. Like, yeah, sometime you're going to be in the belly of hell. Because Miss Virginia, she loved Jesus, but she cussed a little too. And, you know, sometimes I got mad, you know, because it's difficult sometimes, it's hard. But they've seen this, and it's like, for them, they've said, I'm so glad I'm seeing this. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for mentoring me. So I think that's part of what really brings me joy is not necessarily the fiscal, the future fiscal rewards, but the what it's doing for the community, what it's doing for other people. It's so cool. Like, I want people to be able to, create their own businesses and have other streams of things that they do and other streams of income and continue to perpetuate opportunities for other people. I absolutely love that part of it.
0: It's so wonderful and I'm grateful to be able to do it. I asked Virginia if she had any final words of wisdom.
1: If you have an idea for something, reach out to find a resource that can help you. There are people who are willing to sit down with you and talk to you. But you have to ask and be okay with messing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been times when we've, listen, you you saw me with the popcorn struggling. Because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm out of practice. How do you pop this stuff? (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes you mess up and it's okay. I don't believe that perfection exists. It doesn't exist. It just doesn't. I think you should work hard to be your best. But what is perfection? If you're looking for perfection, if you're looking for every thing to be in place before you start, you'll never start. Yeah.
0: That's a good note to end on. <laughs> Thank you so much you're for talking welcome. with me. You're welcome. Thank you for asking.
1: It's our pleasure. I really appreciate you thinking of us.
0: That was Virginia Cathery, also known as Dr. G, owner of Popcorn Kernels with a Twist in downtown Bloomington, Indiana. You can order popcorn from anywhere in the US and you'll find a link to their website on our website, eartheats.org. One final note before we go, it's not too early to think about holiday cookie baking. If you're looking for ideas, be sure to check out our YouTube videos. We have ginger ducks with a juniper glaze, thumbprints with red currant jelly, marbled tahini thins, plus forgotten cookies, which are light meringues with nuts and chocolate, and they are so easy to make. You can find these recipes and more when you search for Earth Eats on YouTube. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the ones to come. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Earth
1: Eats is produced and edited by Kate Young with help from Aya Binder, Alex Chambers, Mark Chilla, Toby Foster, Samantha G, Abraham Hill, Peyton
0: Whaley, Harvest Public Media, and me, Daniela Richardson. Special thanks this week to Dr. Virginia Gathiri, Fred Bennett, Everyone at Popcorn Kernels with a Twist, and everyone at One World Kitchen Share. Our theme music is
1: composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Additional music on the show comes to us from the artist at Universal Production Music. Our executive producer is John Bailey.